3: Hey, it's Monique, and I am back for episode 91 of the Brown Vegan Podcast, where I love to share veganism from a very practical perspective and bring on guests to share their experiences as well. Happy New Year to you. I know that we're, what, like 13 days into the new year, but I haven't talked to you. So, Happy New Year. I hope all is well. I hope your year is starting off in an amazing way. I'm looking forward to bringing some more episodes to you, bringing more guests, more solo episodes, all of that good stuff in 2019. So stay tuned for that. I'm excited though, because I feel like I'm starting this year off with a bang with this first episode. I have Dr. Bobby Price on the show. You may know him as Dr. Holistic on Instagram. And he is just, I mean, he just came with it. He just gave us everything we need to know to start this year off right we just had an amazing conversation, so I'm so glad that he's on the show. Dr. Price is a certified plant-based nutritionist, and he's a doctor of pharmacy. He has worked with the FDA, um, one-on-one patients, in hospital settings. He's worked in there, and he's filled over 300,000 prescriptions. He went from eating a standard American diet like most of us, going to, you know, pharmacy school and then making the transition to vegan life. He just has an incredible story and I'm so glad that he's on the show to share that. So we cover so many topics in this conversation. I will say that this is the longest podcast episode that I've ever done. I know you guys love the long ones, so I promise you you're in for a treat. He goes in depth in so many on so many different topics, including vitamin deficiencies, what we need to be aware of. We talked about the importance of being mindful when it comes to food, not paying attention as much to the advertising on the front and actually flipping over and reading and getting an idea of what we should be eating based on that. We chat about natural remedies, including ways to, you know, naturally treat headaches, menstrual cramps, stomach aches common cold, the flu. Dr. Price also takes us behind the scenes as far as what he eats and where he shops at. All of the details that I know you want to know because I wanted to know it. So he, got, he covers all of that as well. Finally, we get into detoxing because he has a 14 as well as a 30 day herbal detox. And I'm planning to do this detox later this month. So I wanted all of the details. We talked about why detoxing is so important, what type of transformation you can expect after you detox. And just so much more of that process that I think is really important. So you should also check out his book, which is called Education Over Medication. And it basically exposes the myths, the lies, and the truths about modern foods and medicines. Since this is a longer conversation, I want to go ahead and dive right into it. You can get all of the show notes, everything we mentioned in this episode at brownvegan.com under episode 91. So yeah, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into Dr. Price's plant-based story.
2: So first, let me start with a little bit of background, because I think yeah, a lot of times people get afraid of the whole transitioning to a plant-based lifestyle because they look at their lifestyle and it's totally the opposite. And so my background is my mother's very Southern. Uh, she is, is the epitome of Southern. And I'm her first, first son, so she loved cooking for me. And all of those things that you can imagine that would be on a Southern plate on a Sunday. And I enjoyed it for years and indulged in it. And I, I guess what happened was after pharmacy school, I, I, I started making all this money and uh, I'm trying to figure out what to do with the money. So I decided that every Friday I was gonna go to a steakhouse and get a steak. Mm-hmm. Like that was gonna be my celebration each, each week, like my treat to myself. And uh, as I began to add more and more things like that, I started to add on weight. In college, I was an athlete, very fit, even in high school, and so I was just always looking, a, um, you know, used to looking a certain way. And so here I am, a year out of pharmacy school, and I pick up about 20 pounds mm-hmm. out of pharmacy school. And in addition to that, when I was 16, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure.
3: 16
2: wow yeah and this is like the fact that i was an athlete i only had about six percent body fat uh in high school uh so i was very fit and so for me i just talked it up to genetics like you know it was passed on to me and so there's nothing i can do with it but each time i would go get a checkup or physical uh to play sports there i will always be reminded Uh, you have high blood pressure and it needs to be lower. It needs to be lower. And so this went on for 12 years. And so here I am, 28 and um, still avoiding doctors. And I'll say for most healthcare professionals are actually the worst patients. And I was no exception to that rule. So each time I went into the doctor, he wanted to write me a prescription. I would take it, but never fill it. I would get headaches. I would get all the symptoms of someone with high blood pressure who's not making the adjustments. And so here I am at the cusp of what I believe to be my greatness. I've graduated pharmacy school doing exactly what I want to do, and, uh, but I don't feel great. Energy is low, aches and pains everywhere. And for me, I just felt like I didn't feel like I was 28 at all. And so, I, me and a f- couple of friends were going down to Trinidad Carnival, and uh, part of uh, being in the carnival is you have to wear these very skimpy outfits. Mm-hmm. And in uh, particularly, ours didn't have a shirt, and uh, I didn't want to want to go down there without a shirt because my body wasn't what I wanted it to be. Right. And so I I was listening to Tony Robbins, uh, who's like this motivational speaker, and he does this Date with Destiny weekend and Over the weekend, people are drinking like green smoothies, eating plant based over the weekend. And people are talking about how much energy they have and how much it flattened their stomach out. And so I was thinking like, well, maybe I'll do that for 21 days. And so that's what I did.
3: Uh, Vanity, huh?
2: Whatever works. (laughs) Vanity is a door, too. And that's why I always tell people like everybody's door into their wellness journey is always different. It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's vanity or whether it's for the animals or whether it's for just health. But mine was vanity. I just want to get at least two of my two of my abs back for my six pack. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I really didn't expect that much, but I hope that it would at least flatten my stomach out so I could wear my skimpy outfit and take nice pictures. And um, after about 21 days of juicing and being plant based, and I just noticed I lost 21 pounds in 21 days. Wow. And for me, that was it was shocking uh, because there was there's nothing in medicine that we could produce those type of results. And so the other thing I noticed was I just so happened to have a an appointment with the doctor coming up and I went in and I expected my blood pressure to still be high because before I was I was fit and that didn't matter in the first place. So I figured it'd still be high, and he checked my blood pressure and it wasn't actually I had the blood pressure of a 13 year old girl. Wow. Uh, that's what he he told me at the time. And so at that point, I just felt like every time I went into the pharmacy, I felt like a hypocrite. Uh, I didn't feel like a healer anymore. I felt like a drug dealer all my patients were asking me like, what are you doing? Like your neck is thin now. You're like, it just can notice the physical difference and your skin is glowing. Like you look younger, like 10 years younger. And so one by one, each of my patients who had high blood pressure would come in there and I just give them the, basically the plant-based prescription that I gave myself. And one by one, they were coming back, you know, no high blood pressure, cholesterol levels, balanced, diabetes gone. And, uh, So at that point, it just it just convinced me that I was on the right path. And so, here I am
3: here. You are. Oh, my goodness. I, you know, I'm so excited to have you on the show to share your experience, because in this country, we know that the money is really in the treatment and not the cure and not people that have already died from it. There's no money there. So I want to talk. I want you to start talking about your experience with working for the FDA, because like you said, you felt like a hypocrite. It's completely opposite of all the work that you've done. Right? How, how did that look working for the FDA, despite knowing, did you know this information while you were working for the FDA or how did, how did that journey look for you?
2: So like, it's really been a culmination of all my experiences and the FDA was just one of them because even before the FDA, I worked as a food chemist for a food company Mm-hmm. And so I remember learning how to manipulate chemistry in foods to make sure that people had this sort of taste or this sort of effect in their body. And so uh, going to the FDA, it was just a matter of learning what those processes were for drug approval and what the effects of people taking drugs were. Because I was in a, a division of the FDA called CEDAR and um, CEDAR was the the particular division that I was in. We were responsible for creating a new system for people to actually call in and report uh, injuries from medications. Most people don't know, but in America, uh, medical error is the third leading cause of death. Wow, I didn't know Uh, that. So medical error, and when I say medical error, I mean they prescribed the medicine correctly, you took the medicine correctly, Or they did the surgery exactly how they they were taught in medical school and they still either injured or killed the patient. So that's the third leading cause of death in America. Mm. And so while I was at the FDA and I was the sole person taking these calls on a daily basis because I helped develop the program uh, one by one, I could hear people telling me, hey, my son took this vaccine today uh, um, early in the morning and now he's in, he's had a seizure and he's in a coma. Mm. Um, and initially when I heard this is just, you know, you don't really correlate the two, or I took this medication, I took a statin drug and now I have, um, liver failure. I took this medication and now I have this. And, and so as the complaints are stacking up, um, now I'm trying to figure out. Okay, what do we do with them? Because again, this is a new program. Right. And I discovered there we weren't there wasn't a process for them. There was nothing to do with them.
3: So you were just it, taking the calls and I didn't was, have a solution.
2: I was. We were simply taking the calls and I was passing that information along, but there was no highway for them to actually matriculate after that. It was mm. it was it was a black hole. Wow. And so that was the first thing I learned, and then other thing is I I got to sit in on drug approval hearings. And so some of them, they allow patients to come in who've been using a drug as experimental drugs. And you get to hear the approval process and you find out things that you think that are absolutely contradictory to the idea of what the FDA is about. Like you can spit that drug companies can actually pay $300,000 and get a drug to actually express their way through the, the approval process, so instead so, yeah, of what does having that look the,
3: like, like lobbyists, what do you mean when you say that?
2: No, there's an application that uh, drug companies can simply just fill out and then uh, pay the fee, which is somewhere in the neighborhood of three hundred thousand dollars, and then there's it's basically an express application. So instead of the application process taking ten years, it can take three years. Makes sense.
3: Yes, it does make sense. So they're just buying their way into the approval.
2: Absolutely. And and I think the the other thing that I learned and I learned so many things, but there's a there's a uh agri company called Monsanto. Oh, and um
3: Yes the Devil.
2: And Monsanto (laughs) started creating basically what they did was most people don't understand the very purpose of the FDA is to approve drugs. Now, no drug can be a natural thing, meaning I can't take an orange with vitamin C and try to get a patent for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's against what patenting is. And and so what drug companies do is they make a chemical form of whatever it may be. And so uh, what Monsanto has done is basically made a chemical form of food. And so that's what we call genetically modified organisms or foods. And so what I discovered while I was at the FDA is that uh, one of the attorneys for Monsanto was basically a part of implementing that approval process for genetically modified foods to be approved for the market. Uh, And now at this point, he became basically the, the chief and commander of who says what is Is what at the FDA so you take somebody who's basically working for Monsanto a company who's trying to get genetically modified foods approved to be sold in grocery stores Mm -hmm. and then that's this person now becomes the director of the FDA (laughs) and so uh, after discovering those sort of uh, rotating doors that were happening with Drug companies and agri companies like this, it just made me understand that we're looking for direction from areas that may not be healthy alternatives for us. Right. And so um, it just, it, it really just did, disheartened me about the process for health. And uh, it, it actually made me start to look for other alternatives, which is why I started to use herbs.
3: I know you've done. A lot of work all over the world as far as learning about herbs and, and just meditation, yoga, just all, everything that you talked about in your book. So, yeah, tell us about that journey.
2: Yeah, man. And so for me, I I grew up in a very tough neighborhood and tough circumstances. Um, I watched uh, friends die. I watched my cousin get killed. I, all my grandparents died by the time I was uh, in the 10th grade so uh, growing up and experiencing that much death that early, I think it really propelled me to want to to not be defenseless and help helping to heal people. And so for me, once I came to that that epiphany that I feel like a a, a drug dealer and not a healer in the pharmacy, it just made me start to look for all, other alternatives. And so I initially came out of pharmacy school and I I, I became a pharmacy manager. You know, uh, after two years of doing that, I just I quit. I couldn't do it anymore. And so for six months, I did nothing. I just did a whole bunch of soul searching. And then I found a practice that was perfect for me. So I, I basically opened up uh, a pharmacy. I started doing nutritional counseling, doing collaborative work with physicians. There were 21 physicians uh, that I worked with. They allowed me to do things that traditional pharmacists don't do. And so uh, they allow me to recommend herbs to patients. They allow me to make nutritional uh, recommendations and I was seeing results with that. And as a result, um, I actually got uh, an award for the most innovative pharmacist in the state of Georgia at that time. Nice. And so I remember distinctly going up to accept the award and coming down off the stage and uh, people walking up to me and it was very uh it, it's very surreal because i remember being at the meeting and everybody knew who i was before i got there because um uh, i was the only black person there mm-hmm. uh, and not only was i the only black person there i was the first per- person of color to win that award and i was also the youngest to win that award and so as i'm up there giving my speech i'm trying to figure out how did i end up here Um uh, because The greatness that they're telling me that I did actually has nothing to do with pharmaceuticals. And so uh, as I'm I'm talking to people, I have this one guy, he comes up to me and he goes, "Um, well, I'm one of the people who primarily nominated you and I love what you're doing. And, you know, I own a couple of pharmacies. We make our own eye drops. And I was thinking that we could work together. And if I could get the eye drops inside of your pharmacy, I think we could make a lot of money. So, you know, I'll kind of ask them a few questions and he said, well, in a year, you'll probably be a millionaire." And so, you know, you always take a, a very deep gulp when you get that sort of opportunity to come across your plate. But um, I took a I asked them for a little time to think about it. I did. And after I did a little more thinking about it, it just made me understand that this was not the path that I was currently on. It was going to be taking me in a whole nother direction, whether I liked it or not. And so I ended up declining the offer. And two weeks later, I had got a call out of the blue uh, from someone from Japan. And uh, they asked if I'd like to come out there and work. And I asked what part of Japan and it was in Okinawa. And at that time, I was very familiar with Okinawa as being what's referred to as a blue zone population. And basically what a Blue Zone population is, is a group of people who live to be 100 with no disease. They live a high quality of life and they live primarily on a plant-based diet. And when he mentioned that it was going to be in Okinawa, I asked specifically, would it be any opportunity for me to be able to go and work and study with these centenarians there? Uh, And he said there'd be plenty of opportunity. They love, they would love to. And so... I took the job and I moved away in 2013, and I spent about four years there every day uh, going to the northern part of the island, watching these 97, 105-year-olds drive bikes up hills, farm, have fluid conversations, tell me about the herbs they use on a a daily basis, the foods they eat, ate, and why, uh, all their philosophies that they incorporated in terms of health, like one called harahachibu. Uh, which means eat only to 80%, which is actually scientifically proven that you should only eat to 80% full because the bra- the brain actually has a 20% lag time. So when you get to 80%, you're actually already full. Mm. And so, um, after learning there for four years, I figured I had learned everything I could. And so I just took off. I, I, I left the job I had there working at the hospital and, um, uh, Went to China to study Chinese medicine, went to Thailand to study uh, meditation, went to India and lived there to study yoga and meditation again, and Africa, uh, seven countries in Africa, Honduras, Peru, just moving around Honduras. Honduras was an, an amazing place to go learn because um, the village that I stayed at there was uh, a village that was started by um, Dr. Sebe. Mm-hmm who is a uh, herbalist and uh, a doctor who really kind of propelled the whole idea of holistic medicine for me and created a platform for me to understand how I can not, not necessarily imitate, but how it could be successful. Like you can use herbs, you can use food to actually heal people. Yeah. And so I uh, came back here and almost a year from a year ago, uh, came back here in December sat down and finished the book, came out in April and released. And ever since then, it's just been an absolute blessing.
3: It has. Oh my goodness. Just an amazing story. What do you think? I know you have this philosophy, of course, about food. And you were talking about how food, like food be like medicine. Like, what does that philosophy mean to you? And what do you suggest people do to go plant-based?
2: So to me, um, what it means is, is that the truth of the matter is, is that food has always been our medicine. And when you think about it, for 2,000 years prior to the pharmaceutical industry coming into fruition, that's all we use. We only use plant-based medicine. We only use herbs. There were no pharmaceuticals that existed then. So we use that to heal ourselves. So food was, has always been our medicine. And it's not an alternative. It's actually a return to the traditional medicine. Mm-hmm. And that's why I named the book "Education Over Medication" is because we've been using plant-based medicine for over 2,000 years. It's been curing cancer. It's been curing all the diseases that we are plagued with today. And so, for some reason, we've gotten to a point where we've thrown it away and um, taken on man-made options as a as a tradition instead of an alternative. And so, that's kind of what food uh, as medicine means to me, it means that on a daily basis, I give myself doses of health in the form of fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds that bring light and life to my life. And when I say light, what I mean by that is if you eat a banana, uh, or a, a red pepper, um, when it goes into you, it is red. But when it comes out, it's not. It's no longer red anymore. The color is gone. So the light is inside of you at that point. Mm. Um, and it's really important for us to understand that because um, each time we eat something, which is to me beyond, you know, the intimacy we have with uh, a romantic lover. Uh, eating is the most intimate thing you, you can do because it's the thing that go- literally goes inside of you and becomes you. And so um, that's truly the medicine, because when you introduce nature to nature, and what I mean by that is, you know, you introduce real foods to your, your biology, your biology accepts it, it knows what it is, and it becomes you. But whenever you eat something that isn't uh, nature, then your body has to not only figure out what it is, but it starts to defend itself against it. Yeah. And so it's just really important for us to understand that it's not a cliche, um, even though it's been used since the ancient times of Egypt. uh, It's not a cliche. It's actually a a way of life to use food as medicine, because that's how you not only prevent disease, but that's how you heal and cure disease as well.
3: Yeah. What do you suggest um, for people as far as making plant-based life you know, a lifestyle opposed to just doing a detox, we're going to talk about your detox later in the episode. But what do you suggest to make this? Because I feel like I get, uh, I've met people before and they're like, oh, I do a Daniel fast. And then they go back to a standard American diet or they're like, "Oh, oh, I'm going to do this 10 day detox. And then that's the end of it. What do you suggest as far as making this something that is a way of life and how to kind of get some of that Uh, Kind of going back to what you were saying about your own childhood, your mom made some amazing food and you're like, oh, my God, that's just a part of who we are. Right. Food is us, especially as black folks. That is us. So um, because there's so much culture wrapped in that, there's so much love. I mean, like the way you describe your mom cooking is I felt that love and I feel the same way about when my dad cooks for me. So. How do we make this a lifestyle in a way that doesn't feel like we're losing out? Because I think that that is a huge barrier for a lot of people, especially people who who have considered it and kind of dabbled in plant based, but they haven't actually made it a lifestyle. So how do you make it beyond the detox?
2: Right. And I, th- I think what the issue is, is that we have to break down a lot of the lies, and truths about modern food. Uh, a lot of things that we believe about food just aren't it just isn't true. It's been sold to us and packaged to us in the form of marketing. And the other parts of it have been manipulated with chemistry. There's a great book. It's called The Dorito Effect, and it talks about flavor chemistry and how they use chemistry to manipulate our taste buds and to cause us to want to eat certain types of food. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important to, to understand that we will say that we love food, but If the food doesn't love us back, then what type of relationship is that?
3: Toxic. (laughs)
2: It's very toxic. Yeah. (laughs) And so I think that's what people have to understand about food is like in order to make something part of your life, then it needs to be nourishing. And I think at any point you have to constantly evaluate and reevaluate. Is this nourishing to me? Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's in the form of music or it's in the form of food or if it's in the form of a relationship. You should always be, always be asking yourself is this nourishing to me because then it becomes part of a lifestyle instead of a diet and I think that's what happens with people is they make things a diet or a fad uh, and I think those those terms are very interchangeable because neither one of them lasts A lifestyle is something that you incorporate for the duration of your life and it's, and it's because it's nourishing and a lot of people aren't looking for nourishment And that's just the pure truth. Like most people aren't looking for nourishment. What they're looking for is pleasure. Mm -hmm. And so they're seeking pleasure through their foods. Now they're getting the pleasure, but what they're not getting is the nourishment and the health out of the food. And so that's why it's so difficult for them to make food a lifestyle. A, because they're choosing toxic foods that curve their appetite and curve their cravings. And so they don't have the mature palate to actually eat foods that are healthy for them. Then that's when it becomes necessary for you to detox and create that default setting that allows you to go back to your previous or your default taste buds that actually have foods like fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds to actually taste good.
3: Mm. Yeah, I uh, but, feel like our palate is, like, coated with oil and salt and sugar and all of the things that just, like you said, feels good to eat. So absolutely. So it's important to detox. Yeah. So give us an example of what a meal would look like for you. It's, you know, pick whatever meal you want. Give us an example of yeah. what that looks like. Yeah, some of your favorite foods.
2: So I, um, first of all, I really try to stay in tune with my body and see what it needs. Um, So like today, like today, uh, my hands are kind of cold. So today I'm going to eat warm foods. And so the first thing I did when I woke up, it was I started drinking tea, uh, herbal teas. Uh, So the first thing I do when I wake up is I'm probably going to pop some ginger root and lime inside of tea and I'm going to drink that. And the best thing about that is going to stimulate your gut in the morning. And that's what you want to do is get your gut going, like switching on the engine of a car. And so that's the first thing I'm going to do. If after that, I'll probably have a green smoothie or a green juice um, and then fruit. Uh, A lot of times I'm not really I don't really eat a lot uh, just because my food is so nutritionally dense most of the times um, and it has so much fiber in it. I don't have to eat three meals. So I'll eat maybe one and a half or two meals a day. And I'm not trying to do that. I'm just nourished enough uh, that it just works out that way for me. And I'm not a small person. I'm 6'2", 210 pounds. So uh, it works.
3: Okay. So outside um, of that then. Out, yeah, outside of the juice and the tea. So what, what meal then that are you enjoying? Because yeah, so like <laughs> you're able to keep your, your weight and everything. So that's why I'm curious. Like, what are you yeah, doing? So
2: I have like a quinoa stir fry. Uh, I have a veggie meal. Uh, Guacamole is at my absolutely favorite snack. I'll make either raw or vegan lasagna that I cook. Uh, so I pretty much eat what everybody else eats. It's just a healthier raw version or a vegan version of it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's no different. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a for instance. So I'm sure you can go to the supermarket and find like a vegan pizza that you can buy and uh, pop into the oven and eat. But what I try to do is, I I really don't like to eat things that are frozen. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll make my own crust, and I'll make it today, but I won't eat that today. So I'll make the crust for the pizza today, and then tomorrow I actually make the pizza. And so I'll make my own basil pesto. My basil pesto, what I actually make myself, I use pine nuts, I use basil, I use a little bit of avocado oil, uh, seasonings, pine nuts. And so that'll be my basil. I make my own tomato sauce, which is easy. You can have a Nutribullet or a Vitamix or whatever type of really strong blender that you have. So I'll make my own uh, marinara sauce. And then I'll just add my toppings on, whether it be sun-dried tomatoes, um, avocados, peppers, uh, I love mushrooms, uh, caramelized onions, and the pizza tastes great. Yeah. And so uh, everybody knows that there's plenty of nut cheeses out there that you can also make or or purchase yourself. But um, there's just so many options. I really eat what everybody else eats. It's just a plant-based version, and I'm usually making it myself or going somewhere where they actually make the ingredients. They don't purchase them and then just apply them to the the
3: meal. Right. So you got me just thinking of something else that I think is another reason why a lot of people may be hesitant to start their journeys or even continue their journeys. And that is just the work that goes into making your own ingredients.
2: Right. So
3: how did we well, before, you know, I have a feeling that you probably weren't much of a cook after pharmacy school. So mm. how did you become comfortable in the kitchen? And, you know, what suggestions do you have to kind of just look at food as a way of how you treat yourself instead of feeling like it's a, Oh God, I got to cook dinner tonight. Kind of thing like, how do you overcome some of that?
2: Well, well actually I always cook. Oh, Uh,
3: did you? Okay. Your
2: mama taught you, right? Um, I would watch my mother cook. Yeah. Even though she loved cooking for me, like, and my mom is the cook in the family and probably the best cook in my town where we're from. And so like, as a result, like I would just watch my mom cook because people would get so much joy out of her cooking. And so I, Figured she was doing something right, so I needed to know. Every Mother's Day, I would cook for my mother. So, like, I've always cooked. I think what happened was you go, and then I go off to college, and I'm cooking there for myself. But what happened was transitioning to a plant-based diet, it is not the same. No. It is not. not the same.
3: It really isn't.
2: It, it's not. And you ha- and, and there, is a no, a, there is a need to know how to do it. But what I can say is this. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you eat a Southern diet or just a traditional American diet. If you're eating meat, no meat tastes good without seasoning. And all seasoning is plants. Yep. All seasoning is plant-based. And so no meat tastes good without it. So it has to be the plants that make it taste good. And so that's what I figured to myself. I'm like, well, how do you use these seasonings in such a way that uh, it tastes really good? And so one of the things I did was I was very fortunate enough to live in India And in India, they are magicians when it comes to using seasonings Mm -hmm. and spices and herbs.
3: Favorite type of food.
2: (laughs) Indeed. And so I learned a lot there. But a lot of it was really like the process, like figuring out how I like my food. Uh, A lot of people like really salty food, and I don't. Uh, A lot of people like sugary food. And so uh, you have to figure out how you can do that in such a way uh, that's healthy. And so um, that's kind of been my process is just getting out there, getting cookbooks, going to raw cooking classes, going to any kind of plant based cooking class that I can sit in there and learn something from somebody who's already figured it out. And quite often whenever I go to a restaurant and they make something really good, I I will ask if the chef will come out and tell me how they made it. Mm. Quite often, the chef loves that. They love to come out and tell you exactly how they made it, and they're excited about it, and I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, it's a journey. It's work. But what I can say is this. I look at everything from a holistic perspective, and that's sort of why I've decided to name my Instagram account Dr. Holistic, D-O-C-T-O-R, Holistic. Is because I believe when you look at everything from a holistic standpoint, not just the physical body, but the mental and the spiritual aspect as well. Then you can get to the actual core of what you need to know or experience. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I look at cooking. When you cook, your hands, your arms are just an extension of your heart. So just imagine your heart being in a center and its uh, apparatus or. Modes of communicating physically with the, the the physical environment are the arms and hands. And I really believe that when we use our hands to make things, we're putting love in it from our hearts. And so when I'm cooking, like it's chemistry for me and I love chemistry. And I don't mean just the kind of chemistry that kills people, but the organic chemistry that heals people as well. Mm-hmm. And so to be able to be in the kitchen and mix 13 different plant-based ingredients together and they individually they taste bitter but then when you put them together they taste amazing uh for me i get a lot of joy out of that and for me it feels like manifestation it feels like i'm creating something in the kitchen and i love and that's i think that's why when people cook they love to share it with people too because it's love and that's what we are we are love and we love to share that and so i would really um ask people to, if you're not a cook, then to explore the option and get out there and learn some cooking classes. And if you already are a cook and, but you quite haven't figured out how to do that plant-based, I would say just keep moving forward because eventually you learn how to cook uh, not plant-based. So eventually you will learn how to cook plant-based in such a way that it makes your taste buds happy yeah
3: in a way that's satisfying i love that especially the part about the extension of your heart oh i love that perfect (laughs) so i know a lot of times people one of the concerns they have is uh vitamin deficiencies they feel like they're not going to get enough when they become vegan so i want to i want to hit all of those different areas that i feel like are the most common and i want you to debunk that for us real quick dr price like Let's talk about vitamin. Let's talk about some of the vitamins. I guess like uh, vitamin D, vitamin B twelve, protein, and any and iron. Maybe I think that might be a concern as well for some people. So let's start with B, um, vitamin D. As people of color, the the sun loves us, but it also doesn't allow us to absorb it the way that other people may be able to. Um, which is a good thing for us when it comes to aging. But what are some of the concerns as far as I know that can be a concern for people not getting enough vitamin D when they get their blood work. So what do you suggest that we do if that is a concern?
2: Yeah, that's a really great question for our community too. And I speak about this a lot when I go out and do my speaking engagements. Um, First of all, that's a great point that you made. Uh, We should know as people of color, the reason why, We get less vitamin D is because we have this melanin in our skin that uh, to a certain degree protects us from the sun. Mm -hmm. And the reason why uh, it does that is because that is a genetic adaptation, meaning thousands of years ago when all of us were living and working outside on a daily basis and we spent the majority of our days exposed to the sun, then uh, the rays of the sun were probably too much. And so as an adaptation and because most people of color live at the equator where the sun is most highly concentrated, we develop this adaptation where we block sun a little bit better than everybody else. Now, uh, the the caveat to that is that the majority of uh, melanated people have moved away from the equator, uh, such as us in the northern hemisphere now in North America. And so as a result, we're getting less sun that we had prepared for when we lived around the equator. And we're also blocking that less sun that we're supposed to be getting. So we get less vitamin D than our counterparts. And so uh, at this point, it's like, okay, so what do we do about that? And the reason why that's so important is because the same way plants can convert uh, sun rays into, uh, you know, uh, basically liquid plant blood, uh, we also Convert vitamin sun rays into vitamin D, and vitamin D is actually not a vitamin at all. It's, it is a hormone. Mm. And I made that point to say this: even though they call it vitamin D, it's actually a hormone. All hormones come from healthy cholesterol. Uh, so you have to eat plant-based cholesterol. And so if you don't have that building block, healthy plant-based cholesterol, you It doesn't matter how much sun you get, you will not form vitamin D. So that's the first and most important thing. Mm. You have to get the sun exposure and we need more sun exposure than our counterparts. And quite often uh, we're not exposing ourselves to the sun as much as we need to. So start there first. Get sun exposure and not only to your face, but all parts of your body whenever you can. The second thing is eat a lot of plant-based healthy fats. And that comes in the form of uh, avocados and uh, other foods like flax seeds and chia seeds. They have healthy you know, fats in them. So that's the second part. The other thing is deficiencies of vitamin D aren't always connected directly to vitamin D. You can be low in calcium and have a low vitamin D. And it's really important to understand that. Uh, A lot of times people are low on calcium uh, because they are very acidic. Um, Just imagine a chemistry set, right? And you have uh, a lot of acid and you want to take the acid that is so acidic. And when I say acidic, so like on a scale of one to 10, very acidic will be two Mm -hmm. and not acidic will be 10, which will be alkaline at that point. Well, when you eat a lot of acidic foods, it, the body will actually use calcium to buffer your pH and raise the pH of your blood. Because your pH of your blood has to always be 7.35, okay? Mm-hmm. But if on a daily basis you are consuming acidic beverages like coffee and soda and things of that nature, on a daily basis you are eating a lot of sugary and acidic foods, uh, a lot of starches because uh, that's primarily what Americans eat. 50% of the vegetables that Americans eat is in the form of a white potato. And that white potato is quite often french fries. Yeah. Or mashed potatoes, which comes from a pottery substance, doesn't come from an actual potato. And so we're eating a lot of ac- acidic foods, which is causing a lot of our calcium to be used up to increase our pH. If our pH goes down to 722 we die. It's -hmm. called metabolic acidosis. Okay. So the body is very important. You got to notice that range. It's less, it's almost less than one, 7.35 to 7.22. Like that's the narrow street that you can walk down and still be alive. And, but that's also how amazing our body is
3: to make those adjustments. Yeah.
2: Those adjustments. And so the bulk of our calcium is where? In our bones. 99% of our calcium is in our bones. And so the body is going to be pulling calcium out of the bones. And guess what happens after it buffers that acidity and brings your pH back up? The calcium is now in your blood and it's trying to figure out what it needs to do with it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: You know what happens? That calcium quite often becomes kidney stones and gallstones. And so, like, that's the connection between eating a holistic diet and not just going vegan, because when you just go vegan, you still could be very acidic. It's very possible. But that's why it's really imp- important to be primarily plant-based vegan, because then you're actually setting yourself up for prevention and setting yourself up for healing. OK, so that's in a nutshell. Vitamin D. Uh, We can go on to things like iron. And uh, the majority of us have very low iron um, for a lot of the same reasons, acidity. When your blood is very acidic, it's hard to get oxygen into it. And iron is at the center of every cell, every red blood cell that we have. And so when you're very acidic, um, the iron gets ripped out. We also eat a lot of soy. Soy will pull iron out and consume your iron as well as well as having a lot of parasites and candida. Parasites come from dead foods, especially meat and dairy. And um, We know that because when I was living in Tanzania, uh, there were Maasai warriors there, if, if you're familiar with the Maasai warriors. No. Uh, they're, in, no. they're indigenous to Kenya and Tanzania. Mm-hmm. Well, Maasai warriors are world-renowned for knowing they don't die of heart disease. And they get touted for that. But this is where they leave off information. Uh, They eat primarily meat and milk. That's it. Oh, wow. And so people are like, are touting them because they don't die of heart disease. They eat meat and milk. Well, they die at age 40, 45 or 50. And you know what they die of? Parasites. Quite often what people don't understand is sometimes you can't, you don't live long enough to die of heart disease when you eat certain things. And so anything that is dead is going to be consumed by parasites. And we know this because that's nature. That's their actual job. Parasites and candida and yeast, their job in nature is to consume things that are dead. And so when people have an overgrowth of parasites and candida, it's because they're consuming an acidic or very dead diet instead of living foods. Mm. And so if you want to get your minerals, all your minerals, they come from plant-based sources. And that even goes from vitamin B12. You know, there's this big debate about where vitamin B12 comes from, but it is scientifically known that even though they're suggesting that you eat meat to get vitamin B12, vitamin B12 actually comes from a bacteria. It's it in the not soil,
0: right?
2: It's in the soil. Uh, it's created by a bacteria. And so when a cow eats the soil because it eats grass, then it gets vitamin B12 the same way you could. Um, But what they suggest is you eat the cow to get the vitamin B12. But what they don't understand is this. When you eat things like dairy, it sticks against the wall of your stomach and intestines. And it blocks something called intrinsic factor. You cannot produce vitamin B12 in your body if you don't have intrinsic factor. And so you can eat as much you can take supplements. You can eat vitamin B12 in the grass. But if you're eating dairy, then it can consume up your intrinsic factor and you won't be able to, con- to actually make vitamin B12. And the other thing is people have actually not too high acid in their stomach, they have low acid in their stomach. And that's why they can't break down foods and that's why they end up having indigestion is because the food won't break down in their stomach and food has to become a mush before it will go into the intestines, okay? And that's why food stays in the stomach and you feel full and plump so long, it's because you don't have enough acid. When you don't have enough acid and you eat vitamin B12, the acid is there to cleave off our protein to allow vitamin B12 to be absorbed. So there's a lot of factors that go into you being able to have a healthy blood level of vitamin B12. And the other thing we know about vitamin B12, just, and it's very synonymous with protein, is actually vitamin B12 and protein are recycled in the body vitamin b12 is actually on a hepatic loop it goes up from the from the small intestine to the liver on a on a loop and so people can actually not consume vitamin b12 for 10 years and because of this recycling process they'll never have a deficiency
0: mm.
2: but that's that's only if they have high acid in the stomach and they also have are producing enough intrinsic factors So it's much more complicated than what people think. And the whole idea or the myth that you have to consume animal products to get vitamin B12 or protein, it just doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense, Uh, especially when we're recycling both vitamin B12 and protein.
3: Yeah. And then it also doesn't make sense that we would use the, the animal to be the middleman and we can go right to the source, too. When you think about it, it's like, what that doesn't even make sense. Why would I need? And I feel like it doesn't even break down the same way.
2: It makes no sense because the truth of the matter is people are, are keep regurgitating this the word protein, but really what our body uses is amino acids and Ami- amino acids are the individual building blocks of protein. Mm. So even when you eat protein, whether it be plant based or it be an animal source, it has to be broken down to amino acids before the body can even use it or absorb it. Now we all know that when you, you take an animal's protein, you have, it has to be cooked. Yeah. If it's not cooked, it will have parasites, it will have salmonella, it will have all types of diseases in it. So we cook our meat. And when we cook meat, you denature the proteins, It is is not the same anymore. And if the protein isn't the same, the amino acid isn't the same. The difference when you eat a plant-based diet is you don't have to necessarily break down many of the proteins because they're already in the form of amino acids, OK, makes so I, sense. Yeah. that's that's a huge difference between the two. So can you eat protein? Can you eat animal protein and get a little bit of protein from it? Yeah. Yeah, you can. But the thing is, you get the negative side effects of eating dead animal flesh, too. You get the antibiotics, you get the hormones, you get the actual aggression that came with killing that animal in the process. And so all those things come with the animal. And you get the whole fact that when anything dies, it goes into rigor mortis. And all of a sudden, when you go into rigor mortis, your whole bowel system breaks down. So all the fecal matter that was inside of your bowels and being kept away from going into your blood, it seeps into your blood at that that point. And so you consume that as well.
3: That is enough right there to not want to eat it. (laughs) Knowing that, it's like, goodness. As, far as the b12 because it is from the soil do you have any suggestions outside of taking a supplement for getting the b12 is it like spirulina is i think it's what's what is it called right spirulina
2: yeah any? but the, uh, uh-huh. yeah that and also um incorporating herbs and um things like dandelion roots and uh, things that come from the soil Okay. Um, because the truth of the matter is, like I said before, you need a very small amount of vitamin B12. You don't need much at all, and so that's quite often why you see when you get a dose of uh, the vitamin, it's not even in milligrams; it's in micrograms. Yeah. Uh, so you need a very small amount because what the body does is it takes that small amount and it's able to create more, and it's able to recycle, recycle that amount. It, so. Yeah. So it's really important to understand that you don't need nearly the mu- nearly the amount that they're telling that you that you need. So it's really important to go for those ground root um, sorts of vegetables and uh, herbs so that you can get that bacteria. I want to call it a bacteria because um, that's where it comes from. Without that bacteria, you'd have no vitamin B12.
3: This is a question that I've been concerned about, though, um, as far as B12, because it's coming from the soil and we do so much, I feel like, to clean our produce because we're concerned about contamination and, you know, pesticides and things like that. Do we lose some of the, the B12 on the root vegetables when we do that, though? Or is Absolutely.
2: It going, we Absolutely. do. You do, but it's not a concern because, like I said before, you don't need nearly the amount that you think you need. That they tell need. us. Right. And <laughs> the, the other thing is, is that. You can clean it, but like there still will be some on there.
3: Okay, let's talk about this before we go on to the the next topic. Because I know I feel like there's always so many conversations out there about deficiencies and vegans. We don't get this. We don't get that. (laughs) Is there anything that we should be concerned about not getting? And also, please touch on the fact that a lot of people, vegan or not, have deficiencies. Because people always make it seem like it's just us that are having issues with getting everything we need. So is there anything we should be concerned about?
2: No, I, and the reason why I say that is because and, and I'm using it as a comparison because quite often what they're doing is they're comparing comparing vegans or plant-based eaters to uh, the standard American diet eaters or omnivores. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked in a pharmacy. I've filled over 300,000 prescriptions in my career. I no longer work in a pharmacy, but what I can tell you in my experience is this omnivores or people who don't eat plant-based, they picked up prescriptions for vitamin B12 and iron and vitamin D just as much as vegans did. Uh, So it is not the fact that we're vegan that we're iron deficient. It is a lack of minerals. And it's also the fact that quite, quite often, a lot of us have a lot of parasites and candida in our body or yeast, and they eat away at our minerals. And it's important to understand that. Because the same way you like iron and you like vitamin D, those parasites and Kedita, they consume them also. So a lot of times you have things in you that are competing for your uh, nutrients or, uh, or nutritional values that you need in your, in your diet that you don't understand that's what, what is causing the deficiency. I think that's a really key point because it's not often talked about. Yeah, because, I just feel
3: like it's always just throwing something at us like, ah, oh, you know, vegans, that's why, you know, have no energy because you don't eat or you're not getting iron, or you're not getting this, you're not getting that. So I yeah, feel like there's a lot of us walking around, vegan or not, who aren't getting what we need. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think the reason why uh, we're not getting what we need, because the majority of vegans aren't actually plant-based. I'm raising what, my
3: hand to that, Dr. Price. I feel like I'm not necessarily. <laughs> I love smoothies and I eat a lot of fresh fruits and it's vegetables. It's not but a I'm,
2: judgment at
3: all. I know it's not. I know it's not. But I've I'm been just...
2: there. I know what it feels like. And so this is not a judgment at all. It's mm-hmm. just information. And what I, I I try to tell people is don't get stuck in transition. I think that's what happens. Like you embrace vegan life. And what that means to you is I don't eat meat or dairy. And that's more about what you don't do instead of what you do do.
0: Ooh.
2: OK. And so like people focus on that. What I I just if it's not no meat or dairy, I'm good. They, they look at it from that point. Mm-hmm. And so that is a deficiency approach from the beginning. So it makes sense that you're going to have deficiencies because at that point you can consume anything that looks like a that they may call a burger but it's actually pea protein not pea not the actual pea P. yeah yeah <laughs> P <laughs> protein and and more importantly it's a pea protein isolate um so it's really important for people to understand or people are drinking for instance they're drinking water and they're saying well my water is alkaline but is your water alkaline or is it alkalized and what i mean by that is i can take chemistry and increase the pH of water, and that chemistry can be man-made chemistry, or did I take that water from nature and nature made that pH seven point five or eight? Mm. It's a big difference between the two. Or so, what brand
3: do you recommend then? Because yeah, I feel like there's a lot of a lot of uh, marketing that we're seeing on bottles and just packaging overall, and we're not really you know flipping the bottle to read oh, absolutely. And, reading reading ingredients. reading. There's and a things. lot yeah. of
2: trickery. That is being uh, allowed. And that's, again, that's why I call the book Vegetation Over Medication. Like, understanding that when you look at the label and it says citric acid, that doesn't mean that it came from an orange. Mm -mm. A lot of times what they're using for citric acid is a black mold. So it's really important to understand that. Or when you look and you see natural flavors, that does not mean actual natural flavors. Like, it came from a strawberry, even though it... Let's say, for instance, you're eating a, a, a plant-based yogurt, and it says natural flavors, and you're eating something, and it says blueberry. Doesn't if, but you won't see anything that says actually blueberry on it, and the ingredients.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I see that,
2: that. Yeah, and so that that's why we have so many deficiencies. It's because we really don't understand our food, and we don't understand labels, and I think the sort of unique position that I have is that being a chemist, being a pharmacist, but also being a plant-based nutritionist, when I look at the label, I see both. I see the chemistry in it and I see the nutrition in it. So I know if the the nutrition is already deficient and I know what the chemistry is. So it's a a totally different point of view for me. I understand that when I look at uh, I had one of my clients, they bought me all their groceries that they buy for their kids. And I'm I'm looking at some of the ingredients on some of the cereal boxes. And I'm like, that's paint thinner.
0: Mm.
2: You know, that same ingredients is the main ingredient in paint thinner. And so I had to go out to the garage and actually grab paint thinner to show her, like, it's the same thing. And, was, and for her, it's like, there's no way that could be the same thing. Right. It's the same thing. And so, like, that's why we have so many deficiencies, because we have so much toxicity in our body. And as I mentioned before, how calcium has to be used to fight against acidity and toxicity. Other minerals are being used for the same thing. And so that's why a lot of people have deficiencies. Uh, It it has nothing to do with um, the fact that we're vegan, that we have deficiencies. It's when we do things like that and we eat soy, which is known to... Uh, grab a lot of your iron and other minerals and take it with it. Uh, it's really important to understand that. And most and ninety percent of all soy is genetically modified, as is corn.
3: Why? Because because we, we're feeding it to the livestock, so that's why. We
2: feed, we feed we it more. to the livestock, and then whatever they ate, we eat. Yep. And the majority of a lot of the plant-based foods are actually made of soy and corn, and they don't always say organic. And especially when you eat out, they don't always say organic.
3: I know that you are in Atlanta and you guys have like an amazing vegan scene out there. Where do you typically do your grocery shopping or how does that look for you? How often are you going? How often are you cooking? I kind of want to know a little bit more behind the scenes on that because I think that sometimes I know for myself, I feel a little with a family, I feel a little limited because they are not interested in necessarily eating as whole as I would like to eat because right. they want some of the things that everyone else is eating. And I get that. And so right. I feel like a lot of times I don't necessarily grow the way I want to in my journey as I want to, because yeah. I'm trying to make sure that they'll actually eat dinner when I make it. So right. can you tell us a little bit about your process as far as cooking and all of, and shopping and all that good stuff?
2: Right. And so I shop at a combination of places because um, there's over eighty thousand edible plants, and uh, I'm an explorer. I mean, not in just one sense. I mean, I've been very fortunate enough to travel the world and see seventy-six countries, and wow. I try to do the same thing with food. I just, I, I picked up. I, I go to the farmers market, and when I go there, I'm usually in places. The, the farmers market here in Atlanta is packed, and and. When I go in there, it's usually elbow to elbow. But a lot of places that I'm grabbing food from, a lot of the times, nobody's there. I'm getting soursop. I'm getting longan. I'm getting rambutan. I'm I'm getting uh, papaya. I'm getting fruits that aren't on the typical uh, shopping list. And the reason why I'm getting them is because a lot of times I'm trying to make sure that I eat seasonal. And so if something is in season, I... That those are the things that I'm going for, because those are the things that aren't going to be genetically modified. Those are going to be the things that are grown naturally during that time. And what I mean by that is um, tomatoes are a summer plant. Um, strawberries are a winter plant. It's, uh, I rent winter fruit. And so um, when it's summer, I'm not eating strawberries.
3: Wait, that's the opposite of what I know. I feel like tomatoes. Uh, yeah, well, no, not tomatoes. But as far as strawberries, I feel like that is more of a summer because I used well, to always when, pick strawberries as a kid. What I'm talking about is
2: when it's typically grown. If I were to plant it out in nature, would it grow by itself?
3: Ah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha.
0: That
2: is the difference. Yeah, because yeah. Because you can grow something by putting pesticides on it. Uh, And the the reason why you have to do that is because if you're growing something against nature, meaning like nature says that this is supposed to grow in the summer, then nature will say, well, it's not supposed to be here. So it will actually collapse on it. All sorts of bugs, insects, uh, bacteria will start to eat away at the plant. And that's why they have to use insecticides and pesticides on a lot of things. But things that grow naturally, nature leaves it be. And so that's what I try to do. I try to eat seasonally and I try to eat locally. So I'm going to the farmer's market uh, once or twice a week. And when I go there, uh, I'm getting my hemp powder, hemp seed powder for my protein. I'm getting my, my fruits, my assortment of fruits. And a lot of them are exotic because a lot of the exotic fruits like jackfruit and rambutan and dragon, dragon fruit. They have things in them that are not only nourishing, but they are preventative and healing. And so I'm getting a plethora of fruit in that way. I'm also getting my vegetables, uh, again, seasonal and local. Uh so and I'm rotating my greens. So I'm not getting spin- organic spinach every time I go there. I may switch it up and get arugula, mm-hmm. you know, or, or dandelion leaves or um, so that's what I do at the farmers market. I go to the actual health food store to get, you know, some treats. Uh, And my treats are things in the form of like plant based like jackfruit. Let's see. I want to get jackfruit, but they don't have it at that market. So I'll go to like a store and grab that. And then I'll get my water from there as well. Uh, My water comes in a five gallon glass jug. I like to drink out of a glass. But yeah, and just and before I go there and I'm always shopping according to meals. I think if you go there and you just shop like it's a shopping spree, then you're just getting a whole bunch of random items. But I know what meals I'm shopping for Mm -hmm. before I go there. So if I'm making spaghetti that week, I'm getting my ingredients for spaghetti. So I may get the all the vegetables from the farmer's market and then I may get my uh, chickpea noodles from the health food store. I'm always going there with the mindset of what meals am I preparing for, uh, what snacks do I wanna make, if it's guacamole, if it's salsa, if it's hummus, whatever it may be. Uh I make my own salad dressing, so I'm making sure I'm always getting tahini and I love coconut aminos. So uh yeah, just it just depends on what I'm gonna I plan on eating that week. But I mix it in. We're going to a couple of restaurants that are very responsible. Like here in Atlanta, Tassili's is a nice place. Uh, loving it, loving it live. Uh, there's so many places that you can go here and get a great plant based meal. So whenever I don't want to cook, then, you know, I, I'm social. When I go out, I invite a friend out and we go grab food.
3: Yeah. Sometimes I think, well, I know this all the time that, you know, people don't do this because they're afraid that they're going to lose. Lose some of the social, they're going to lose some of the fun. And uh, I think that's how it's supposed to be, just making this work for you instead of feeling like you're being worked by it.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think I'm the fun friend now, because when I went plant based vegan in 2011, I didn't know anybody who was actually vegetarian. And there were only maybe two or three restaurants you can go to here. And so there wasn't a lot of options and I felt ostracized because nobody was willing to take a chance on a, on one of those two or three restaurants. Whereas now it's become such a trendy thing to be plant based and to eat something plant based that a lot of my friends are calling me and asking me, hey, whenever you go out to eat, invite me. i like to try something. So <laughs> it's, great. The, the conversation is very different now. Yeah. And so I embrace that. It gives me an opportunity to to introduce my friends to something healthy and show them that you know food, healthy food, can be also tasty.
3: Mm-hmm. As a pharmacist, you, of course, were writing prescriptions when people have you know the flu or stomach ache, cramps, things like that. I want to talk about some natural remedies for that that we can do so that we can stop being uh, a community that's so reliant on pills. Let's start with uh, stomach ache. If somebody you know their, chi- their child of themselves having a stomach ache. What do you suggest instead of running to a bottle?
2: Yeah. And I always tell people this, like, you know, genetics, genetic loads the gun, but it's always our dietary choices and lifestyle that pulls the trigger. And it's really important to understand that. So the first thing I would tell you is to stop doing what you're doing that caused it in the first place. People don't want to hear that. Like a lot of people don't like When I work with clients, the first thing, the first question that I ask them, are you willing to stop doing what caused this? Because if you're not willing to do what, stop doing what caused that in the first place, then what is the point? There is no magic pill. I'm here to tell you. I've traveled across the world looking for it and I wanted to have it for you so that you can enjoy all your behaviors and still live. Carefree in terms of how your health progresses as a result of their behaviors, but the magic pill does not exist And so I always tell people if you have a stomach ache then first of all think the first thing you need to do is stop eating what you ate and switch it up yeah. and the secondary thing you can do is throw some uh, ginger root and lime and make a tea out of it and drink that mm-hmm. and allow it to pass um, discomfort is actually not the horrible thing that we've made it out to be. Sometimes it's not a disease or a condition. Sometimes it's actually your body healing itself. So sometimes it's you put something in your stomach that it needs to get rid of and the process of getting rid of it is painful. So that's what I would say if somebody had something like a uh, stomach ache. If somebody has some starts to get something like flu symptoms, uh, to, I typically tell them to make what I call the flu shot. And the flu shot is basically a little bit of pineapple juice, lime juice, uh, colloidal silver and cayenne pepper. Uh, you take a shot of that and you do that three times a day. You say that again? Yeah, colloidal silver. Uh, you can go into your health food store or on Amazon and you'll find colloidal silver, but colloidal silver is something that they've been using for 2000 years to heal infections and, uh. Treat bacteria, infections. Okay.
3: So let's talk about headaches because when I was growing up, if I ever had a headache, my mom used to always say that I needed to probably take a nap. And so she is definitely someone who, if she ever has a headache, she takes a nap. <laughs> Do you believe that it might be stress-related? That's probably why we have it's
2: headaches. 90% of the time it's stress-related. Yeah. And whether that be in the form of emotional stress or physical stress, because sometimes people get headaches as a result of too much physical activity. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and or the way they're sitting at work uh, crossed over and because, you know, crossing over and bending your spine in a certain way and will cause your shoulders to tense up, which causes the back um, muscles of your neck and the back of your head to tense up, which will cause a headache. Uh, some people scowl too much. Uh, some people need to just <laughs> damn smile and, uh, <laughs> or laugh. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, t- Your mother's right. Most of our mothers and grandmothers are right about these natural remedies. Yeah. You probably need to sleep because most people aren't sleeping enough. But also what you can do is get peppermint oil and rub that on your temples and that will help as well.
3: Ah, that's a good one. Yeah. So what about, I guess the final one I want to talk about, I'm just trying to cover like the most common ones, but uh, cramps, um, especially for women.
2: um, What do you
3: recommend? Yeah.
2: That's a good one. So what I can say is, and this is not going to be juicy for you guys. First of all, let me explain what a cycle is for. A cycle is for, most importantly, for reproduction. Uh, It's the process that cleanses the womb to make it fertile enough for uh, the implantation of the egg and so that the sperm can show up and it'll be a nice house to live in. But whenever you have too much toxicity, then your your PMS symptoms will be uh, unbearable. And so that's what I tell people. If you want to uh, level out your PMS symptoms, then you need to decrease the amount of toxicity you're bringing into your body. Mm-hmm. The body is designed in such a way that unfortunately that area, especially for women of color, is uh, are very attractive for a lot of you know toxicity, especially in the form of estrogen, because a lot of the Toxicity that women of color are getting is in the form of hygiene products. So a lot of the estrogens and hygiene hygiene products are called xenoestrogens, and those are basically toxic estrogens that come into the body. So that's overstimulating your uh, you know your your menstrual cycle. But there's also uh, things in makeup. There's also a lot of things in food, as I mentioned, like soy is one of them, but there's also other foods. And there's also things like meat and dairy uh, because they have so much, so many hormones and so much um, antibiotics in them. They also have an, an impact on that. And we, and women know that firsthand because if you take an antibiotic or you go to the doctor and you need an antibiotic, it never comes along. They always give you uh, what's called diflucan or antifungal and the reason why they have to give you that is because mo- if you take that antibiotic most women end up with a yeast infection and the reason why is because antibiotics don't just kill good bacteria they kill they kill bad and good bacteria and so when it kills the bad ba- the good bacteria it allows the bad bacteria to overgrowth and that bad bacteria quite often is the yeast. And that's why women end up with a yeast infection. And so it's really important for women to understand that anything that is going to throw your balance off, and that's that's even in the form of birth control, anything that's going to throw your your balance off is going to lead to you having a, a more painful menses. But what you can do is decrease the toxicity and also make sure you're always hydrated.
3: Yeah. So I want to really, really get into talking about the detoxing and because I know that you have a 14 day as well as like what is it 30 day um, herbal cleanse. And I want to talk about, you know, some of the benefits of detoxing, why we need to um, more information about your detox. If people are interested, like I told you before, my husband and I are going to do it in January. We're going to do a 14 day one. And I kind of got him to do it. He's excited about it, but he I don't really think he understands what's about to happen here. So I want you to kind of (laughs) he will not be listening to this episode. We're just going to go ahead and just rough it out together. But let's start off by talking about um, why detoxing is so important.
2: Yeah, well, detoxing is so important because we live in a toxic world now. Um, The air is toxic now, you know, in 19 and 1938 the oxygen percentage in the air was around about 22%. Today it's in the teens and you know, the water is polluted. You know, the the, the incident that happened in Flint, Michigan
0: mm-hmm. with the
2: lead being in the water is not an isolated incident. Um, so there's so many things in the water and we don't just drink that, we bathe in it. Um, and your skin has pores. So you're drinking water, uh, you're drinking uh, tap water whether you drink it through your mouth or you're drinking it through your skin. Uh, The food is toxic. Music is toxic. Television is toxic. We just live in a very toxic world today. And so that's why detoxing becomes very important, because the truth of the matter is every two years, you are really a whole new you. Like the body regenerates cells at that level. You get a whole new liver in every six weeks you get a whole new blood supply in two weeks. Uh, So we're constantly regenerating ourselves. But what we aren't doing is eliminating those old cells that have to die and move along. They're piling up in our bodies and they're becoming excess weight. And eventually what they become is disease. And so what detoxing does is it allows us to eliminate not only those dead cells, but it allows us to get rid of that old fecal matter because the majority of people are eating three meals a day. But most people aren't having three bowel movements. They're having maybe one. So in a a week's time span, you've eaten 21 meals, but you've only pooped out seven. Where's the other 14? We put things on our skin and we look at the label and we think that it was just applied to the skin. Well, our skin absorbed that. Mm -hmm. Same thing with the foods. When we look at our foods and we look at those labels and all that chemistry that's in our bodies. And my second chapter in my book, that's why it's actually entitled, uh, The Cause of Disease is Toxic Overload. Because the truth of the matter is, if we don't have toxicity and acidity in our bodies, our bodies can always heal and regenerate itself. And so that's why uh, detoxing then becomes very important. Because if you think about it, with our cars, every three months, what do we do? Oil change. We take it in. We get an oil change. And every year or so, we take it in and we get a full Mm tune-up. We have absolutely no process for that in our bodies. But the beautiful thing about herbs is this. And I was just speaking to somebody a couple of months ago in Flint, Michigan, because they were asking me, what can we do for the kids and the people in Flint, Michigan, to get rid of all this lead that's now in their system? And that's causing autism. That's causing dementia. That's causing Alzheimer's. That's causing brain fog. That's causing so many other conditions. And so one of the things that I tell them is that actual there there are a lot of herbs that are actually capable of removing a lot of heavy metals that we consume. And not just lead, but they can remove mercury. Uh, the vast majority of people I notice have amalgam fillings or the mercury fillings. Even though we're looking at that mercury and we're thinking that it's really stable, it's giving off a vapor inside of our, our cavities mm-hmm. every day. And so it's really important to incorporate herbs to get rid of not only those heavy metals, but the parasites that come from eating a lot of dead foods. The yeast that accumulates in our body as a result of not having healthy bacteria, the old fecal matter that begins to create toxins inside of our body because fecal matter is just old food in the stomach is just like this. Imagine putting food inside of a pot on the in the middle of the pavement on a day where it's 97 degrees out, and then coming back eight hours later to open the pot and see see and smell what the food Ooh, looks like. Right. Yeah. You can imagine, right?
0: Mm.
2: Well, guess what the in the, what the core temperature of our body is is ninety seven degrees. So you have to think about it. every time we consume a meal and it doesn't come out. What is it doing? It's rotting and fermenting inside of our bodies, and eventually that rotting and fermenting is going to produce toxins, and that's eventually going to end up in our blood. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important to co- incorporate detoxes in the form of herbal detoxes to get rid of these things because herbs actually are in alignment with our biology. They come into our bodies and if you need to lose weight, then you will lose weight. That's what exactly what will happen. If you're already pretty uh, trim and skinny, you won't lose any weight, but what you will lose is a lot of toxicity and a lot of fecal matter. And so that's what the detox is designed to do. It's a two part system. Uh, The first part is designed to remove parasites and yeast. From the body and also detox the liver, kidneys, and lymphatic system. The second part is called the Tommy T-Tox, and that's exactly what it sounds sounds like. It removes a lot of old fecal matter, but it also uh, stimulates the gut to get its integrity or strength back. And it also replaces all that good bacteria that is responsible for breaking down food, so that you can actually absorb the minerals, trace elements, and nutrients that you need to be healthy. Mm-hmm.
3: I like how with your detox, you can um, I'm not saying that other detoxes you can't eat, but I like how with your detox, you can still, you know, consume fruits and vegetables and things. Because my main concern about detoxing is the fact that I want to be able to make sure I can still chew during that time. So is there anything outside of, of course, you want to make sure that the person if you're on the detox eating plant based, right? That's the basically Mm -hmm. the only stipulation, I guess.
2: Yeah. So no meat, no dairy, no processed foods. For people who are already plant-based, it sounds pretty easy because they already don't eat any meat or dairy. Right. Uh, the processed foods becomes the complicated part yeah. because then you start to discover how much t- how much processed food you are eating. Mm-hmm. So I always imply and uh, you know implore people to you know get out there and do some exploring plant-based wise. It's over eighty thousand foods. Yeah.
3: Let's talk about the bitter taste because um, I love when we did our pre-interview, I love how you told me that you purposely made sure that this was, we had to consume, we actually had to drink your um, infusions opposed to take them in a pill pill form. So talk about why you made that decision because I think this is so key.
2: Yeah. And and see, the thing is being, you know, coming from the pharmaceutical industry uh capsules are just so convenient because all you got to do is pop it and it's gone and um i think what people don't realize is that nature has its processes for a reason we have several taste buds we don't have just sugar salt and fat bitter is also there and we know it's there because when you taste it you taste it Mm -hmm. so it has a purpose and so what people don't understand about bitter uh bitter is actually a special special taste bud because As soon as you consume anything that is bitter, and the majority of things that are bitter in nature are actually very alkaline and healing, uh, as soon as that hits your taste buds or your tongue, it stimulates your liver to detox, it stimulates your kidney to detox, and your lymphatic system to move. And your lymphatic system is essentially your sewage system in your body. All the sewage and the toxicity goes into your lymphatic system, and it, it is dumped out into your lymph nodes, which are quite often in, in in the folds of your body, and then is actually sweated out. And that's quite often why when people get things like uh, breast cancer, for instance, your lymph nodes can become full and swollen and uh, painful. It's because you have a lot of uh, toxicity inside of those lymph nodes. That can be in the form of infection or that can be in the form of cancer. And a lot of times what doctors would do is do a biopsy on a lymph node and find cancer there and say, oh my God, you got cancer. No, that's where cancer should be. It's the dumping system. Mm. And so uh, that's the beauty of taking something that is bitter because it stimulates that lymphatic system to eliminate these sorts of things out of the body. And so that bitterness is actually there for a reason. And that's why I don't put it in pill form because you're able to skip that bitterness that doesn't actually stimulate your liver and your kidney and lymphatic system to start to detoxify. And so it's actually a critical part to the healing process and the detoxification process. So that that's why I don't remove it, and that's why I have the detox in the form of loose leaf uh, herbs and leaves.
3: Yeah. So we would have to consume. I think you said uh, two thirty-two ounce uh, mason jar bottle. Well, jars a day yeah. for the four, for at least fourteen days.
2: For at least fourteen days, and so that's thirty-two ounces of the parasite candida cleanse, and that thirty-two ounces of the Tommy T tox. And so people are quite often say like, Oh my God, that's a lot of liquid. Well, you should be consuming at minimum two and a half liters a day because we lose two and a half liters in the form of sweat, fecal matter, and um, urinating on a daily basis and breathing. Mm. Uh, So at minimum, your body needs 2.5 liters. Uh, And whenever you don't drink those 2.5 liters, and when I say 2.5 liters, I mean, 2.5 liters of natural water. When you don't drink it, you create a deficit every day. You're creating a more and more of a deficit. And so that's the importance of drinking the 64 ounces and it dilutes um, the uh, herbs as well so it can go in, go into the digestive system a little bit better. And so yeah. it allows the toxicity to come out so that you don't have uh, any um, negative experiences in terms of as the toxins that come out, you don't have as much nausea. you don't have as much of a headache.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say because um I know that I read I think I was I don't know if it was in your book or your website that you were saying that this is something that you can do while you are working because I know sometimes absolutely some people are concerned that you know they're not going to be able to make it to the bathroom on time so I love (laughs) I love that you that it's something that we can do and still maintain our you know day to day life it doesn't really affect that so that's great to know.
2: Yeah, because it's more, it's more of an urge than an urgency, meaning like you're not going to be in the middle of traffic and have to be concerned about pooing on yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of, oh, my God, I have to go again. So for the most part, most people should be going three to four times a day because they eat three to four times a day. Yeah. And with the detox, you're actually just going to be going three to four times a day.
3: Like you're supposed to, like you said. (laughs) Right. So, okay, before we I want to definitely tell people where they can do the detox, where they can purchase that and your book, follow you on social media, all of that good stuff. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, I want to know, is there any like, I guess, last minute uh, closing tips or any advice you want to give us before? I mean, this has been incredible i'm so so thankful that you came on to the show so is there any i mean you really don't have to give us anything final but if you because <laughs> you've covered so much but is there anything that you do want to give us as far as you know some encouragement a tip anything before you tell us I, what I, we can purchase I what i
2: would i would give is that quite often one of the biggest barriers are you know, barriers that people give for not going plant-based is they're like, well, I have to die of something, right? Mm-hmm. And what I tell people is is that, of course, you have to die of something, but nobody wants to die of diabetes. Nobody wants to die of a heart attack uh, in the middle of making love to somebody. Nobody wants to die of cancer. Nobody wants to die of sarcoidosis. Like, nobody wants to die like that, but also nobody wants to live like that either. And the unfortunate thing is by choosing a certain diet, like you not only have to live with the food, but you have to live with what the food is doing to you while you're still currently living. And right now, uh, unfortunately, the pharmaceutical industry and the healthcare industry is making a bundle off of people making that decision to eat what they want to eat foods that are not conducive to their health. But are conducive to their taste buds because it makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people are eating emotionally, and what I want, we encourage people to do is um, understand that a lot of the, the the taste that they're in love with uh, is not because you're in love with it; it's because you've been manipulated through food chemistry to be in love with it. So I would I would ask people to embrace or at least be open to. Embracing a plant-based lifestyle, and I say lifestyle because uh, embrace a plant-based diet, then you do it for 30 days and you go back to doing what you were doing. But embracing a plant-based lifestyle and then seeing what that does for you and how that makes you feel to allow you to make a, a really informed decision about what you want to do with your life and how you want to feel in your life. Because unfortunately, I think people are just okay with being good. But there's great, too.
0: Mm.
2: And that's what um, a plant based diet has done for me, because we can turn our focuses away from the people we speak to. We can turn our focuses away from the television, but we can't turn our focus away from the thing that our focus comes through. And that's our body. And case in point, if I stomped on your toe, it wouldn't matter if a a truck was about to plow you down. Then you the only thing you would be concerned about is your toe. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I tell people that if you can put this body in supreme shape, which a plant based diet does, then you can actually experience life at a whole nother level that you never experienced it.
3: Amazing. Yes. And tell us where we can buy the herbal, your detox, and also your book, where we can follow you on social media.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So on social media, you can follow me at Dr. Holistic at Instagram. Um, that's D-O-C-T-O-R-H-O-L-I-S-T-I-C. My website is DrBobbyPrice.com, dot com, And I'm also on uh, Facebook as Dr. Bobby Price. And uh, you can purchase the book, the detox uh, uh, yeah. by going to the website.
3: I recommend like getting a partner, like I'm doing, because that will Absolutely. make it some accountability. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, couples do the best, and that doesn't it doesn't matter if it's platonic or romantic. They because they have that accountability to each other.
3: Absolutely. Well, I just want to thank you so much. This has been incredible. Thank you so much for listening to your calling, because I know that it's probably it was probably uh you may have had hes- hesitated a little bit before you d- made this transition But I feel like it was worth it because your background, your expertise allows us to be great. And it shows us that we can do this. And not only can we do this, but like you said, we can be great at the same time and not just good. So I just want to thank you for taking so much time to share this in a way that is accessible for people that look like us and just anybody who's interested in eating better and feeling better. So thank you so much, Dr. Price, for your time.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for what you do Creating platforms like this and bringing uh, attention and creating uh, visions for people to see, because that's the thing about people—we're very visual people. And I think when we can see somebody who looks like us that is living like this, then we can actually say, "Hey, I may can do that too."
3: Absolutely, that's how I started. You know, I started that way. I saw someone that looked at me, looked like me, and I was like, "Okay, wait, what? Black people are vegan?" And then I just started exploring and growing from there. So I just thank you for, you know, I feel like it's probably has been around so many people and I know there's so much prestige of being a doctor, you know, and the fact that you are still, you're still, of course, a doctor, but the fact that you were still able to turn away from what your education was saying and finding a better way and to spread this love and this message to us, I think it's just it's just incredible. And I'm just so thankful that you did that because I know it might not have been as easy as it may sound right now at the time. It may not have been as easy. Or maybe I'm wrong. Am I wrong?
2: <laughs> it's still not easy. But what I tell people to do is is right though. Yes. Um, and I want to encourage people to do that with the things in their lives that is keeping them back from doing what they want to do because this is something that I'm very passionate about. So if you're good to great, is barriered by you your fear of the unknown and that's basically where I was burying myself from before I made this transition the difference was what light is this gonna bring in my life and what light is this gonna bring in the other people around me mm-hmm. and uh, I hope everybody kind of sees the story uh, reads the book and then experiences the detox and feels the same
3: Yes, yes, that is definitely a goal. Thank you so much again. I cannot wait to connect in person. um, And I just look forward to all of the amazing things that will happen because of your work.
2: All right, Thank you.
3: I hope this episode was helpful. Come over to my Instagram or Facebook page at Brown Vegan and let me know your thoughts. Also, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes to make it easy for other people to find us. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And I will talk to you next week.